tell you what, I'm not sure whether it's sunny skies up in uh, well, Spring Street today. The Ombudsman has uh, handed down a pretty damning report on the way that the Victorian government handled uh, the pandemic. To tell us more, and once again, let's welcome our COVID-19 reporter, Piers Cunningham. Morning, Brendan. Some interesting news as we watch the development of Omicron around the world and we wait for vital data on how it does with the vaccines that we have to protect populations from uh, from the virus, from COVID, and from developing severe symptoms. So we're waiting on that, but it does look like it is more infectious than Delta. But whether it's a more severe illness, that remains to be seen. In fact, a guy that we've heard from a lot through the pandemic, Anthony Fauci, a long-time director of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Disease in the US, said lab experiments that tested the potency of antibodies from current vaccines against Omicron should come out in the next few days to a week. The question of the severity, in his view, it is almost certainly not more severe than Delta, which is good news. Indeed, and the South Africans as well, seeing some research coming out of South Africa, appears indicating that as well. Lots of infections, but it looks like they've got it under control and they too have come to the same conclusion, perhaps not as harmful. Yeah, that's right. It's certainly infectious, which in itself you know, is a bit of an issue. But uh, in the UK, for example, infections of, with Omicron are doubling every three days and it's, uh, it is causing concern about the variant spreading. It is suggested that uh, it could be taking over from Delta as the dominant strain in the UK within weeks rather than months. Interesting. Um, Also, let's just have a quick scan of some of those headlines around the world before we bring it back into the way that we handle things here in Victoria, if we may. As we were saying, South Africa feeling that, yeah, as you were saying, Piers, probably uh, more infectious, but maybe not quite as uh, tough to bear. New York, I see, acting very quickly as well. They're obviously very concerned about this new strain. Looks like vaccination now going to become mandatory for anybody that lives in New York. Yeah, the private sector, and I was a bit uh, confused in the the reports that were coming out of New York about uh, vaccine mandates there, but uh, it is apparently the strictest vaccine mandate that's been imposed anywhere in the US, and it goes into force from November the 27th and would apply to all private companies regardless of size. Now, I don't know what that means for the the public sector, for for, um, public servants, people who work in the government, Maybe that's already covered. I'm just not sure about that. But I know that America has there's been a lot of controversy about vaccine mandates there, as there has been elsewhere in the world, in Europe, in uh, in Russia. People don't like being told you know that their job is kind of tied to whether they're vaccinated or not. Uh, even in Australia, there's been some demonstrations against that. And as we've travelled this pandemic path together over the last 18 months, and boy, have we got to know you very well over that last 18 months, Mr Piers Cunningham. One of the sort of basket cases early on, alongside of maybe some of the South African or the South African experience, was Brazil. But it looks like the Brazilians have really got their act together, much like the South Africans are now doing. They're vaccinating a lot of people and looks like they've turned around some staggering figures, looking a lot better for them. That's right. Daily deaths from the disease have fallen to under 200 on a seven-day rolling average. That's a rate per 100,000 residents. Uh, that's now puts, puts Brazil below the US, the European Union and the UK. So that's uh, a really great recovery, a big turnaround from Brazil, which really had a, a pretty bad nightmare earlier in the pandemic when uh, they, were, were, they were unvaccinated. And that, that improvement is being attributed to higher vaccine levels there. 
We were talking to Amy Campion earlier on today uh, in uh, Scramble League's breakfast show, and she was saying just how bad the infection is amongst some of the school kids on the Mornington Peninsula. She, I think, and the kids have had to be tested some three times in the last week or so, given the virulence of this new Delta strain. But it's very, very interesting, Piers, and you as a dad of a, a young child as well must surely be very, very concerned when you read some of the headlines coming out of the UK Schools Inspectorate. There they're saying... Um, that the impact of lockdown on them has had a real developmental impact on those kids, progress has been hampered, and even some regressing in terms of basic skills. I mean, pretty horrendous results. Well, I think that it stands to reason. I mean, you know, there's, it, kids, kids go to school for a reason. They have done forever. And it's part of our society that, that our kids go to school. They get socialised. They obviously get educated. It sets them up for secondary-level education, which then sets them up for university and then their career. So to just take out uh, chunks of, of school... Because I was going to say, because, you know, the ramifications in terms of education are quite profound. We've had a couple of our students come in here and join us from RMIT, and these kids have basically been having to learn journalism on remote. I mean, basically by Zoom lessons. I mean, how do you become a journalist if you can't go out, get involved, get out and get the stories? Really tough. They've done a remarkable job trying to come out of COVID. But the implications are absolutely struggling. I mean, this UK report, language skills, suffering. They've struggled to interact with their peers. They've lost their social ability. They've lost physical dexterity, confidence, lack of practice confined in their homes it's had a serious impact and the studies and its consequences of the lockdown on these kids still not fully in we're yet to understand totally what the impact has been over these last two years yeah and uh, and you know i doubt that we're going to have a clear idea before we go to the election uh, state elections at uh, the end of next year when they're due for for the andrews government and the, op- the opportunity for victorians to change government if they feel that that's appropriate but uh, you know, there, there is missing data. We're yet to find out what the real consequences of these big lockdowns, in fact, the most, the highest cumulative lockdown of any city in the world is what Melbourne, Melbourneians endured, and that translated to a lot of missed school. Most of Term 3 and the whole of Term 3 and the beginning of Term 4 this year alone, and a similar story last year with that 111-day you know, straight lockdown that we had uh, ending in October uh, in 2020. So Victoria has, has really done it tough. Just going back briefly to that UK report, they've even suggested that uh, nearly all children have fall behind, fallen behind and struggled during the pandemic. Loneliness, boredom and misery became endemic among youngsters while their physical and mental health went into decline. So, uh, and, and the long-term effects are yet to be known. Which, which, uh, now, which surely brings us on to the report from the Ombudsman here in, in Victoria, which I know you've done a little bit of work on and you've been mm-hmm. investigating as well. Um, it wouldn't be particularly pleasing uh, if you were Dan Andrews and his government. That's right. And yet they've said that it was all you know appropriate. It was based on health advice and you know, usual kind of uh, explanation from them. But it is a damning Ombudsman report. Uh, the lockdown and management of, of COVID is highly problematic, according to the Ombudsman. Inhumane and unjust were her words. When people were being forced to camp uh, on the uh, New South Wales border because they weren't allowed, while they were waiting to get a, an application processed, and apparently people were waiting months, and, and initially there were, you know, it was very under, understaffed. The people in the government who were processing applications from people who had sick family members 
reaction from those closures. Because at this stage, they were initially fearful about Delta crossing the border. It did anyway, and the rest is history. We know that the government abandoned that hope to eliminate or keep, keep it out of the state. No-one's actually responding to a lot of these applications, and people were literally just homeless and caught up in a bureaucratic nightmare, according to the Ombudsman. Many stuck in crowded border campgrounds going broke, waiting for those applications that often were just never even answered. Very long delays, or simply no response for exemptions, and the Ombudsman has recommended financial compensation for those who were stranded. Wow. And so, and so the, co- the costs continue to mount up in terms of our handling of what we did. And, of course, we were the most locked-down city in the world as well. Uh, yeah, interesting conclusions. I just thought I'd run through, you know, because we touched on, you know, why these different numbers, and I've been looking at it, you know, why the different numbers between New South Wales and Victoria, because they're really quite different. Our, uh, the number of cases in Victoria is 130,000 with 1,385 deaths during the pandemic. New South Wales, the next popular or the most populous state with more international rivals than Victoria, 83,572 cases, 632 deaths. So our number of deaths is actually more than double what New South Wales has and all other states combined. Now, that's despite the longest lockdown, cumulative lockdown of any any city in the world. So... You do have to ask yourself why. I think that this is a very, very reasonable question to ask. You know, unfortunately, because of Omicron and uh, the possibilities that the unknowns about that and the high infectious nature of that variant, which is very likely to do what Delta did throughout the world and throughout Australia or throughout Victoria, I should say, not throughout the whole country. The pandemic's not over. Uh, so future harsh restrictions are a distinct possibility, despite Andrew's government denials as it gears up for an election next year. They have ruled out that there'll be any disruption to uh, holidays, uh, festivities and so on in the lead-up to Christmas, but who knows what the new year holds. There's still rolling protests in Melbourne. And these are a symptom, a symptom of the damage wrought by uh, government policy failures over the last 20 months. Uh, as we mentioned, worst outcomes for school kids of any state in Australia, uh, biggest increase in state debt, incalculable damage to small businesses, massive social consequences, mental health issues, increased welfare dependency among Victorians who lost their jobs or lost the right to go to work because of lockdowns. Still by far the highest, the highest uh, daily case numbers, as I mentioned. Lockdown fatigue, partly to blame for the lack of compliance during this year's Delta wave. Uh, the government by that stage had blown its lockdown capital and that was at a time when Melbourne really needed it to have some left in the tank. And what we've talked about in the past, Brendan, the, the lack of transparency, the lack of real transparency from this government in explaining its decisions and justifying its decisions on medical and scientific grounds and really a government that seems to specialise more in spin and shifting blame. Uh, but unfortunately, in the lead-up to the election at the end of next year, uh, we do have an opposition that seems to have trouble getting traction in the polls, uh, even though the only poll that matters is the one of the next election, when fringe parties like the UAP and uh, independents are expected to do well. The polls suggesting that independents are going to do well and there's a, there's a swing away from the major parties. While all this is going on, the uh, Victorian opposition are calling for a royal commission into the pandemic, far more thorough and detailed and in-depth than the code inquiry of last year, looking into the fiasco of hotel quarantine. But again, if that was to happen, 
guarantee you wouldn't get the results before the next election. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Beyond Infinity. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au.